1: What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking?
2: Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Kitty Cornered, Enslaved by Ducks, and Foul Weather. And I have a special guest today, and that is Carolyn Jordan. She is the author of the nationally best-selling book, Heart in the Right Place, and she's got a brand new book out called Medicine Men, Stories of Extreme Appalachian Doctoring. And now you may might wonder what Carolyn is doing on a show ostensibly about animals. Well... It just so happens that there are some great animal stories in these stories about the doctors. And also there's a couple of good animal stories in her first book, Heart in the Right Place. And I've got another reason, too, for having her on, and we will get to that in a little bit. So, hi, Carolyn. Hi, Bob. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate that.
0: Thanks for asking me.
2: And this is, I really like this, because this is the first time that we are actually speaking. Is that not right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've known each other through email for like three, four years?
0: Years, yeah.
2: Yeah, years. years. Maybe y-
0: five.
2: Yeah, it might be five years. And it's kind of interesting the way we met, and that is through our, not even because we have the same publisher, but it's because on Amazon, on my page for Enslaved by Ducks, there was a little recommendation at the bottom, and it says, uh, I don't remember how they worded, but, you know, people who bought Enslaved by Ducks also liked, and there was Carolyn's book. And I think on your page, it said people who like Heart in the Right Place also buy and had Enslaved by Ducks. It's something like that, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and it, I, you were basically towed my book out of uh, nowheresville because you were a bestseller. You came out the year before and were a bestseller, and somehow, I have no idea why, I got linked with you, and I've stayed linked with you all this time.
2: Well, I don't think I was ever a bestseller, though, because the, <laughs> the book wasn't doing that well in the first, first year. And you were you had all these book clubs and stuff going on, didn't you?
0: I had some book clubs, yeah. Well,
2: at any rate, I think we helped each other, and that was very cool because when uh, your uh, Heart in the Right Place would sell real well, then that would drag along some enslaved-by-duck sales and vice versa. So that So that was very cool. Yeah, and so we've been chatting ever since then. And something else uh, very fun happened to both of us just this last August. And do you you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh,
0: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think we were both taken completely by surprise. I uh, (laughs) I was anyway. But I keep, you know, like all neurotic writers do. I keep a Google alert on my name, so that if my name is mentioned anywhere in the Googleverse, it tells me. It sends me an email. And I got an email that said that. my book was at some astronomical level on Amazon, and uh, I looked to see why that had happened overnight, and both of us were incredibly uh, high. And so I i think I emailed you and said, Bob, why are we sellers today?
2: <laughs> right, right. And what happened was that our um, for one month, our publisher knocked down the price of our Kindle book. So Enslaved by Ducks, instead of being $9 or whatever it usually is, it was... Um, I think one ninety nine, and your book was two something, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's two fifty one. I don't know how they get these numbers, but
2: yeah, it's two. They wanted a prime number for yours. It <laughs> must be it, or maybe mine. T- okay, you're you're a mathematician. Is, is one ninety nine a prime number? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, the, both our books sold great. Uh, we were in the top Kindle one hundred. And we were both on the Wall Street Journal list of nonfiction ebooks. Is that right?
0: Yeah, you were on there three weeks. I was on
2: one. Well, that's just amazing. I mm. mean, and so, so that was lots of fun. So, you know, we became, if we weren't before, we can now legitimately claim that we are, uh, well, not just claim, we had a period in which we were nationally best selling authors, right?
0: Yeah, the Holy Grail for both
2: of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, Without
0: any of our participation whatsoever.
2: No, no. Uh-uh. I, You know, I should have introduced you a little better. I'm going to just read uh, one sentence about you from your new book, Medicine Men, which I think is a great description of you from Heart in the Right Place. And it says, Heart in the Right Place is the true story about a spoiled, high-powered Senate lawyer who gives up a glamorous life in Washington, D.C., and comes back home to the Smoky Mountains to work as an inept receptionist in her father's medical office. So that's Heart in the Right Place, and that's that's just an absolutely fantastic, wonderful, funny, funny book. But you did something a little different with Medicine Men. One reason I want to talk about that, other than that it's such a great book, and I want to brag it up a bit, is that I hear from a lot of people who are writing books and they can't find a publisher, can't find an agent, can't find you know anybody to read it at all, other than friends and family, of course, who have no choice. Also, you know, they don't want to go through the great expense of getting books printed up. So, Heart in the Right Place went through a normal publishing house, but for Medicine Men, you did something different. I wonder if you you talk about that a little bit.
0: I've only had one book out, and so everything I do is this you know vertical learning curve at all times. <laughs> i never had any idea what I'm doing. And I, um, it, I like, there's a certain kind of thing I like, which is these sort of Jerry Clowers or Jeff Foxworthy type stories about doctors. And it's the, our ethnic temperament here is to, at all times, when you're trying as hard as you can to keep some dignity, you hillbillies are never able to achieve this. And I'm a prime example. But when I, I like these crazy doctor stories that are either uh, just sort of terrifying or hilarious or touching or whatever. And I have a, a sort of a specialty in these and a genius for them and an obsession with them. And so when I finished Heart in the Right Place, I just I couldn't stop. And so I checked all the medical licenses in Tennessee and found all the doctors in their 90s and late 80s that I could and went around and talked to them all about their most upsetting case or the, the ones that they remembered. After 50 years, these were guys that practiced about 50 years or so, and um, in near the Smoky Mountains, real rural family and medical, uh, you know, general guys. And I wrote them up, and then even though Heart in the Right Place did very well, 14 publishers rejected it, three agents rejected
2: it. I didn't know that 14. Oh
0: yeah, nobody wanted it, and I thought. I just don't get it, you know. <laughs> they liked it in the heart in the right place, and now they don't want any more. But I like them, so I just kept collecting these stories and saving them, you know, just for myself. Because I mean, it's how I entertain myself. I do this in my spare time because I have a normal day job I have to have. But I, I just love talking to these really old guys, these ninety-five-year-old doctors, about you know just stuff. They face things that it's just unimaginable. So I got. Sort of laid off on my job. My whole company—they just downsized everybody to part time. About, I guess, a month or so, two months ago, and uh, I panicked. And I thought, "Oh my God! You know, I've got to find a way to make a living." And nobody wanted my doctor stories, and I thought, "You know, I, I'll just give them away." <laughs> so <laughs> so it's like There's no overhead whatsoever. <laughs> I put them on Kindle our language here is we sma- we slapped them up on kindle <laughs> slapped them stories up on kindle and just you know gimme away and god bless everybody for christmas take them home and totally to my shock it went from 0 to number one in the
2: entire Kindle That's right. you, store. Number one. You had the number one free book on Kindle. Totally. In one day. In one day.
0: Yeah. And so then, after two days, I had put I gave it away for two days, and at the end of the two days, I'd given away twenty seven thousand books.
2: <laughs> I mean, that is that is just absolutely unreal. I mean, when we were in August selling, you know, all these books, and we were on the Wall Street Journal list. We didn't do anything like that. I don't know. I don't either, but I don't expect, <laughs> expect it was 27,000 books in two days. I mean, that's what happens when you're number one. So. You
0: got really, really high. I think you were in the top ten.
2: No, yeah. I just got to 46. 46? Like. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was at 54. That was a high. Whoa. time.
2: Whoa, But, I mean, that's just amazing. And so then what happened was, after two days, 27,000 people got free copies. So then you put it back up for sale. At the princely sum of well, it's only two ninety nine, right?
0: Yeah, I would have put it at fifty cents or ninety cents or something, but Amazon, you know, has sort of parameters that they allow, and the cheapest they'd let you do it was two ninety nine. So I put it at two ninety nine.
2: And gosh, um, if you don't mind saying what your rating is right now now. of course anyone can see it. So you're in the three hundreds, right?
0: Yeah, which is really high.
2: Oh, I mean, think about it. That um, Medicine Men is like the three hundred and thirty something or other best selling kindle book on all of amazon
0: well what cracks my whole family up that you know we just can't believe it is we own number one in medicine and all these things and like people like oliver sacks are like junior to me now oh that's
2: right that's right he's got that new book hallucinations and you're trouncing him right
0: i'm killing
2: wow that is so cool well it's such a fun book it's you know you want to cry in parts of it some of it is just so exciting you can't believe it but the funny stuff in there I mean, the the stories are just hilarious. And we'll get, after the break, we'll get into some of the stories. I, I want to get into a couple of the uh, animal stories. But, I mean, this is such a cool way you've got of putting a book out without spending a bunch of money and getting tons of readers.
0: Yeah, anybody could do this, honestly, because, you know, I had to teach myself to write. I was like the worst writer in the world. And I taught myself over a period of years in a whole bunch of those non-credit classes at colleges around wherever you live and learned to write well enough to do Heart in the Right Place, and then decided, you know, there's all this advice for writers, but I actually followed it this time, and the one I followed was write what you know about and, you know, just what you would like to read. Write write the book that you would like somebody to hand you to read. And I kept thinking, well, you know, and plus I was being told by 14 publishers and three agents that nobody wanted to read this stuff because it was too ethnic, it was too uh, religious, You know, I'm an extremely religious person and surrounded by very religious people, and also I'm just a total bone-deep hillbilly person, and the, the language we speak is not standard English. It's its own language. And it's not bad English. It's its own, it's own, a separate language. But, you know, so it had all these strikes. And, that no, oh, also, nobody wants to read a bunch of short stories.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear all the time, too. Where Carolyn and I are always talking about this, that agents and publishers is always saying you have to have a narrative arc. You have to have a big story. No one will buy short stories, just a book of short stories. And, boy, are you proving them wrong.
0: I have had more people thank me for that than anything else. They keep saying this is so... Nice to be able to, to, to breathe in between because these stories are extremely emotional. It's a real roller coaster, and you need to be able to stop. Yeah, Get
2: off. and you know what we were talking about before the show is—you were saying how important it was that you gave this book away for two days.
0: Yes, that that's the key. key. Right? That's key.
2: I mean, twenty-seven thousand copies in two days—that's just that's just amazing. And then. As you were saying, all those people tell everybody else about it.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think if you give it away, it's like a trick. It's not going to work. I think you've got to make something you love and then give it away because you truly want people to have it. And when you do that, that sort of everything will line up behind that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean these are such wonderful stories that you want to share with people. These are important stories of these doctors' lives that you want people to know about it's you know it's having their memory live on
0: yeah and and i think the other thing people really uh... you can tell them that people who aspire to be authors this over and over and they don't understand but i i had this boyfriend for years and years and uh... we're still best friends but he worked in media all of his life and he taught me a lot about what parts of this are really important and what parts aren't and he said you know regardless of what you think of the publishing industry or media they have. They're very smart people. They're very hardworking people, and they have a very high standard. And if you cannot meet that standard of quality in certain respects, forget it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna make it. And and the things that I think are really important is, it's got to have a great title. It's got to have a great cover. And if if they're not just first rate, it's over.
2: Yeah, first rate stories too, which is what you've got. And I just think this is great for the people who have really good stories about anything, but, you know, my audience is people who have stories about their pets or about animals they want to tell, that this is a way that you can get a book out there. It might not be a physical book, at least not to start with. You you know, it depends on what you want to do. But you can get a Kindle book out there, give it away, you get a bunch of people reading it, and, you know, who knows, you might have the success that Carolyn Jordan has.
0: Yeah, so, and you actually make more per book than uh, mainstream.
2: Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. So we're going to take a break and then when I come back with Carolyn, uh, I want to get into to tantalize you with some of the uh, animal stories from medicine men so uh, we're gonna hear from our sponsors right now we'll be right back
1: what were you thinking we'll be right back after bob gets the ducks out of his living room don't go away is the coast clear Go. Are you sure they went to Petco? Where else would they go? Whoops' <laughs> <Hey, laughs> Calm down. I smell presents! Go to petcodeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of holiday items at Petco. That's petcodeals.com. Go now. Uh-oh, step on it. Okay. Oh, not on my tail. <laughs> Petco. Where the pets go. X-Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X-Power Pet Dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X-Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect holiday gift for family and friends. Please check out our holiday specials at ViperPet.com and Amazon.com. For more information, visit XPower.ws or call 855-855-8868. It's the holidays at PetSmart, so come one and all. There are hundreds of gifts for pets big and pets small. Toys only at PetSmart so special and new. They'll love the gifts. You'll love the value. Hurry to PetSmart today for your very best friend and save 30 to 50% before the holiday ends. The holidays are just around the corner. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. So shop early and save money. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today.
2: Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights Every week,
1: on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On
0: PetLife Radio.
1: PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <laughs> Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys. Oh, in my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob.
2: Hi, uh, we're back. This is Bob Tart, author of Enslaved by Ducks, Kitty Cornered. And fall weather. You know, I, I never know if I'm supposed to, to introduce myself again at the end of a commercial break because this is a podcast. It's not like people are just tuning in in the middle, right? I don't know. I don't know if I do it anyway. But we're back with Carolyn Jordan, author of two fabulous books, Heart in the Right Place, and her brand new book, Medicine Men, and that stories of extreme Appalachian doctoring. Let's, do you mind telling an animal story from the book?
0: The Medicine Men has a couple uh, that I can't tell because they have surprise endings about, that have dogs in them.
2: Yeah, but maybe you could do the setup. Can you tell the story about the rats under the bed? Is that a yes. is okay, that, that That's that one
0: I think is able to be fully revealed. Yeah, because
2: the thing about these stories, too, is that it's like me, I'll I'll read a a mystery several times, because if the book is good enough, I don't care if I know how it ends. I just want to savor the whole thing, and comedy is like that, too. And Carolyn is such a fabulous writer that, you know, even if you did hear the punchline, you still want to read it, because the whole thing is so darn funny. But could you tell the story about the... <laughs> the, the rats
0: yeah one of the doctors that I talked to who was in his 90s had worked for uh, when he was real young in Harlan Kentucky and that has a reputation for a reason <laughs> that is a, that is a very unusual ethnic group very insular and extremely poor and remote isolated area and uh, he was called to help deliver a baby and went up to the place he was supposed to go and it was he'd never been there before and it turned out to be a log cabin and it had been raining and the water from the people that don't know this area in Appalachia, our houses are all built on hillsides. There's no flat land anywhere. And if there was a flat place it's it's a farm. It's being you know, cultivated. But so everybody's house is sitting on a hillside, so everybody's house has got an uphill side and the water was running down and it run under the log cabin it had a dirt floor, and so the floor of the cabin was just a mud mire. It was just like a hog lot. And he he stepped in across the log on just into mud. And he looked around, and all that was in the cabin was one bed with a lady laying in it, and a pot-bellied stove, and a bag of beans. And that was it. And the lady was about to deliver and was, you know, in uh, some kind of distress. And he went over to the bed to see, you know, t- to examine her, and he said he, he was sort of flummoxed because she was laying under a leather, sh- a leather blanket. And he thought, what, what is that? It's like a leather sheet. And he said he pulled it back, you know, so he could examine her, and he realized, oh, my gosh, this is not leather. It's a sheet that's never been laundered, ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa.
0: And so, so these guys—I mean, these these guys—are really saintly and really stoic. And so he's okay, you know. And so he goes in to examine the lady, and and when he's he's sitting on the side of the bed examining her, and she cries out. She has a labor pain and cries out in distress. And at the same time, this happens. Something ran out from under the bed and bit him in the ankle. Like get away, leave her alone. And he thought, what? You know, and, and he, but he, he's still in sort of shock over the sheet and doesn't complain or anything. And so he, he's sitting with her, talking to her, and then the next labor pain comes, and she shouts, and this time more things come out from under the bed and buy him more. <laughs> and he thinks, oh, my God, this is rats. Is this is rats. This is disgusting. And so he says something, and she's. Says no, it's, you know, it's her pet groundhogs and that there is a natural groundhog burrow under her bed. And every time they hear her crying out, they run out to defend her. The, he stays during the whole delivery and it goes really well, but he was attacked multiple times and, and left with multiple groundhog bites. And the woman's husband just stood in the middle of the cabin like something out of a hillbilly movie the entire time, completely worthless. And uh, when the doctor was leaving, he said, there ain't nothing as trifling as a groundhog.
2: <laughs> there ain't nothing as trifling as a groundhog.
0: That was his pre- pretty much his only statement throughout the entire process.
2: That is just great. That what is... remains
0: unsaid was that, that the ultimate trifling entity was her husband.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. That is just incredible. I mean, that's the kind of story, if someone wrote it and made it up, you, you wouldn't even believe it, right?
0: Yeah, people are so poor and live, you know, with the dirt floor and it. it's so rural that there's natural animal burrows under the house wow. you know, because they had a stove, you know. So really anything could have come, skunks or, you know, whatever, all the animals, like something out of a Disney movie would just come have burrows under this lady's bed so they could be warm wow. by the stove.
2: I remember uh, before I was married to Linda, she had a little one-room cabin up in uh, Morley, Michigan. And she had uh, no running water and no phone. And I was over there once, and she just casually mentioned that there was a possum in her stove. And, I, you know, I, I figured maybe it was an expression I didn't understand or something. And she said, no, you could just uh, open the broiler drawer. And I opened the broiler drawer, and I looked, and there was a possum looking at me. And uh, what happened was she had a kitty door. And not just the kitties would come in the kitty door. The possum would come in and eat the cat food, and uh, sometimes he just decided there was kind of a nice, cozy place behind the stove, and he would kind of crawl in there. So um, I don't know. It's not not too far removed from your experience, I guess. <laughs> I should mention Linda's folks. All her uh, people are from Tennessee, so maybe that kind of uh, plays into it somehow. But, that's an uh,
0: interesting concept that it will follow us wherever we go. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Wow! And how did you find this particular doctor? Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I found them all the same way. Either the ones that weren't just like right in our neighborhood, I looked up their licenses. You can do that in most states. Look up medical licenses, and the ones that were in there, that got their degrees, you know, like in nineteen twenty or thirty, that were still had active licenses. Yeah, and then I wrote them. But also around here, everybody knows these guys, and so you just ask. You know, who's the who's the old doc? You know, it's always old Doc, so-and-so. <laughs> what was interesting was I was going to do it, like, all over the whole world because it's just, like, the greatest entertainment ever to get to go sit with these guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, But I found that the farther I got from the Smokies, the more normal the stories got.
2: Oh, you don't want that.
0: It's, like, boring.
2: <laughs> did you run into many people who knew your dad? Because uh, how long did your dad practice?
0: He, he practiced, now it's about 50 years, 40 by himself.
2: I don't think we've mentioned that your dad's a doctor, right?
0: Oh, yes. That's how this started.
2: <laughs> yeah. how this
0: started. I grew up with one of these people. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, going on these house calls with him. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, some of the crazy stories are about your dad.
0: Yeah, most of
2: them. Well, certainly in Heart in the Right Place. Heart in the Right Place is so hilarious because they are stories about when Carolyn gave up this job in Washington, D.C. and had to fill in for her mom as receptionist at her dad's uh, medical practice in Eastern Tennessee, and it's all the stories about the patients that came in and the the wonderful people eccentric but wonderful people that were the patients and also you know a lot of the other people there so could you tell from heart in the right place the um the goat thing?
0: yeah because I mean, that,
2: that's not spoiling anything right
0: No, even hillbillies can uh, be dumbfounded by even more extreme hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, that's like the greatest moments of life. (laughs) If you're just a total redneck person, people have a different interpretation of these words. These are not meant as insulting words, but we have an, an insular culture, let's just call it that. And people around here seem to really enjoy things that other people would find bizarre, but most of the people here tend to be sort of agrarian and farmers just by nature. And so they... They don't just have pets, normal pets like cats and dogs. We all, you know, we have many of those, but they'll have a little something extra. (laughs) And a friend of mine loves, um, I think the nice name for him is Heritage Animals. Is that right? What do you call those? Yeah, I've heard that. And he had a huge farm where he raised, he has just retired, he was a pharmacist in our area, and he raised all kind of rare little bitty deer and sheep and goats that were rare breeds, but that had been here a long time ago. And uh one of the craziest things he had was he had the water buffalo that was in Forrest Gump, the movie. Oh, he did? Yes. His theory is that everybody's insane just long enough in their life to hold their hand up in an auction where Forrest Gump the buffalo is <laughs> <laughs> And he he got in this auction, this rare animal auction in, in Iowa and bought that stupid buffalo, this huge water he's actually a beautiful water buffalo that walks on a when Forrest Gump says we went for long walks every day in Vietnam, do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, there's a scene uh, that shows a water buffalo and a and a farmer walking along a levee, and Forrest is walking in front of them. But anyway, this water buffalo was from America. It was moved to Philippines or wherever they they airlifted it to the Philippines to film that scene, and then brought it back and sold it in Iowa to this friend of mine, who then tried to get it in the truck, and its horns were too big. You couldn't get it in a horse trailer. Oh, so they had to make a special trailer just to transport this thing to Knoxville, and it was vicious. <laughs> and you couldn't go in the field with it, so then he had to build this incredibly expensive compound to hold it. And uh, But anyway, it was fabulous, fabulous thing to look at. But his other thing he had, I went over to see the buffalo. I wanted to see the water buffalo. And he had not told me, he would have, I mean, but he just didn't think of it. He raises Tennessee, this special kind of goat. And I didn't know it. And I walked through the field to get over where the water buffalo was. And every goat I got close to just fell over on its side, dead. Oh. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, what? And they'd get all stiff-legged and try to run away and then swoon. And I thought... I actually thought they were dead, and, but they're it, called Tennessee feigning goats. Yeah. And uh, they were fainting and they, they'll get up eventually, but they're just real high-strung, in fact, like I am. And if they see somebody new or different or getting too close to them or whatever, they just completely swoon. And they are used in a field with real valuable animals. So the coyotes and wolves will get full on eating them and leave alone the rare creatures. Oh. So they're just horrible little cannon fodder. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but while I was out there, finally when enough of the goats fell over, I started crying because I thought they were dead. And there was this uh, emu walking behind me the a guy I owned, named Philip. And I turned around to pet the emu, and I hadn't been told that if you touched him on the back, they drop, and (laughs) the emu dropped. And so then I I was just standing out in the middle of the field bawling, (laughs) thinking everything I touched died.
2: (laughs) And someone brought, is he the guy who brought the goat in to the doctor's office?
0: No, the person who brought the goat was actually uh, one of my boyfriends. And uh, he had one of these incredibly beautiful I think they're called cashmere goats, but it had curly hair that the weavers use and leave it real curly to make uh, artisan yarns. Very beautiful. It was just a he—he he had been raised on a dairy farm, and just like these, you know, everybody's changing over from the uh, more traditional animals to these more exotic, fun things. And this was sort of a Lamborghini of goats, and it—it uh, it sprained its ankle or something, and he brought it in and to get Daddy to X-ray it.
2: So the. Uh- Goat in the doctor's office to get x-ray.
0: Yeah, and nobody said anything, of course, because it's like just like standard. Yeah, <laughs> around, around here, you know, a, a, a treasured farm animal might be a lot more valuable than anything else people own.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, well, that's in Heart in the Right Place, and um, believe it or not, we are at the end of the half hour. Can you believe it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So these are both just fabulous books. Heart in the Right Place and uh, Carolyn's new book, Medicine Men and uh, there's at least three animal stories in medicine men and it's just hilarious anyway and touching and kind of shocking and it just will do the whole gamut of emotions and heart in the right place is just absolutely terrific one of my favorite books ever it's it's just wonderful about a little rural medical practice in uh, eastern tennessee was it rural Oh, yeah. So that's it. I want to thank Carolyn for coming on and talking about this, uh, you know, way she's getting her new book published. And, you know, I, I recommend that to folks listening who might have animal stories that they want to put together, and this is just a, a great way to do it. So you are an inspiration, Carolyn. Oh well, thanks, Bob. <laughs> thanks so much. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winter people can please visit uh, I'll give you a website too Carolyn my website is just bobtart.com you can find Carolyn's book Medicine Men on Amazon and what's your website?
0: it's carolynjordan.com
2: and let's spell Jordan let's spell that for people who it's J-O-U-R-D-A-N carolyn J-O-U-R-D-A-N dot information about your books on that and should they look for you on Facebook too? oh sure yeah and I'm on Facebook too so uh, very cool so Thanks a lot, Carolyn. Great talking to you.
1: Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.